So my name's uh, Paul. I'm on the team here at Plymouth Christian Centre. And, and over the last few weeks, we have been uh, in a series on our vision uh, and our values. And it forced me this evening to, um, to talk to us about giving, um, generosity, and finance. And the doors are locked, so there's no point trying to leave now. That's it. You are a captive audience. Um, but seriously, there's no twisting anybody's arm tonight. There's no guilt trips. Um, if you're a visitor tonight, if it's your first time, this is not for you. Don't feel compelled. This is for our regular attenders, for, for family of our church. Um, you know, unless your name is Elon Musk or, or Jeff Bezos, then perhaps I'd like to talk to you about this more. But don't, don't feel compelled. This is, we're looking at what the Bible says about generosity, specifically tonight, about generosity. So this, this realm of finance that we will find ourselves in, it's not all about money, generosity, but finance is, is a big part of it. Money is a big part of it. But but what are we talking about? Whose money are we talking about here? Whose stuff? Is it your stuff? Is it, is it my stuff? What is it that we're giving away? What is it that we're called to give? Where does it come from? Well, I've got a, I've got a picture that, that hopefully we'll, we'll put up in a moment because I didn't warn the guys at all. This is my bad. But does anybody know, um, apart from Bob, does anybody know what this building is? Someone said a bank. Yeah, it looks like a bank. Any more than a bank? Any further than a bank? Bank of England, that's a good guess. But this is the Royal Exchange, or was the Royal Exchange uh, in London. Right now, it's a shopping mall with lots of coffee shops and, and retail outlets, as every grand building seems to be turning into these days. But back in the day, I think it was the 17th century, um, when this was built, it was the, Ro- the Royal Exchange. Um, Queen Elizabeth came to visit, said she loved it, so they could call it the Royal Exchange. But the reason it's, I think, is of interest is because this building... And it's time received everything that came through uh, London in terms of finance. Now, they didn't bring animals through here. They didn't bring live cargo through here. But everything on a manifest, on an invoice, on a piece of paper, anything of value came through this building before it came into London. Now, since, it's no point me asking this question because nobody really knew what the building was. Neither did I expect you to. But there's a verse that runs across the top or on a, on a plinth on this building. And it says this. If we can just see this... Uh, this next slide. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Where modern day speak, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And it just sits just at the, the top of the entrance there into the building. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So even back in the 17th century, or even or back then I should say, when we were like a more Christian country perhaps, they recognized that everything in the world belonged to God. In this place where money was exchanged, where goods were exchanged, where fortunes were made and lost, there was still this recognition that it all belonged to God. Certainly the builder of this building, the architect of this building knew that was the fact. And nothing changes. So when I talk about what are we giving away, this this, um, God's economy, who's giving what to whom, it all starts with God. It's all God's anyway. Everything you're wearing tonight, everything you brought with you, the thing you sat on, the building that we're in belongs to God. Everything that was made belonged to God in the first place. So that that Psalm 24 verse 10, where that verse came from, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and all who live in it. We belong to God as well, whether you like it or not. We belong to God as well, everything here. So everything we have is from God and is effectively on loan to us. Everything you think you have that is yours is on loan from God. We are a steward of what it is that we have. In Deuteronomy 8, it says, 
But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So it could be that you sat here tonight thinking, well, I work very hard for my money. I work very hard for what I buy. I kind of own it. But God gives us the ability to produce wealth in the first place. Even that comes from God. But we're talking tonight about giving and, and generosity, both towards God and others. And you might think, how do I give towards God? How do I do that? We can do that in the church, as they used to in the temple in Jesus' time and before then. And you can still do the same now. And, and we'll look at some of the ways we can do that later on. But we bring into the storehouse, into the local church where you are fed. But then there's also giving to others as well. It's not just into the church, but how we're generous towards others, towards our neighbors. So if we look back to the, to the Old Testament, giving to God, I know there's a certainly not new concepts. They're not new ideas. It's something that, that was in place pretty much from the beginning. If we, if we were to read of the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4, it says that in the course of time, they brought offerings to God. So God hadn't spoke to them about this at this point. He said in the course of time. Now I read that as they came to a point when they thought we need to Thank God. We need to bless God for what we have. The bountiful nature of what we have. We need to thank God. And this was an offering. So they came to God and gave an, an offering. And if we read the story further, then Abel's um, giving to God, his offering, was accepted by God. And he showed favor on it. And Cain was not shown favor by God. And he got angry and killed his brother. And I think this is down to attitude. Because it, as we'll find out later, it's not about amount. It's not the amount. It's the attitude that we give with. So Cain's attitude was clearly the, the only reason God would not have been happy with his offering. Because his heart was wrong. And so the attitude was what caused the problem, not the amount. But this is where the offerings came. So when, when you hear people talk about tithes and offerings, offerings is kind of over and above tithe. It's over and above your general giving. And it's... In thanks to God, it's an offering to God saying, thank you for what you've given me. But what about tithes? You may have heard this word in church, tithe. Um, again, it's an old-fashioned word, but this tithe, and we, we read it, kind of, we come across it the first time, if you like, in Genesis uh, 14. This is when Abraham has, has won a battle, and God has been on his side. And we see that this king, King Melchizedek, the king of Salem, this is in Genesis 14, uh, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of the Most High God, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram, as he was then, gave him a tenth of everything. That's what tithe is, it's a tenth. And what is Abram, who is he giving it to here? Well, Melchizedek was a, was a manifestation, a Christological um, representation of Jesus at that time. And we, we can look into that another time. But what Abram was doing was thanking God for the victory. And so he gave a tenth, or we call it a tithe, he gave a tenth of everything he had uh, to Melchizedek. And that's the first instance we see of using a tenth to give thanks to God. And if we carry on reading in Leviticus uh, 27, tithe then goes on to become the law for the Israelites. It becomes a, this is what you should do. In gratefulness to God is that you give a tenth of everything you earn, you grow, or that you breed. Everything that you have, give 10% to God or the, the tithe. 
And then laws we find were also given for giving to the poor and to the less fortunate, not just to God, but to look after those around them. And in Leviticus 19, 9-10, it says this, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. And what that law was about was whatever you um, grow, whatever you uh, gain, whatever you do in trade, or whatever you grow out of the field, or whatever you breed out of livestock, um, particularly the fields, was to leave it for the poor. So once you've gone, imagine it today, going over with a combine harvester, and there may be a strip of land that you've just missed out, you would just leave that. Just leave it. I mean, you'd never imagine that today, would you? But it's, God was saying, just leave it. And then the people that need it, the people who have nothing, can come and take it. And do that generously. Don't go and scour every part of land and pick every grape and every seed and every ear of corn. Be generous in saying, you can have that. I don't need it. God has already given me enough. So there was plenty of guidance about how we give, about giving thankfully to God for what he has given us to make sure that people around us also have enough from the blessings that God gives to us. Now, some would teach that what is required, that it is required for all Christians to give a tithe or one-tenth of all their income, either before or after tax, while others teach that tithing was a requirement under the Old Covenant, which is not renewed in the New Testament, and therefore it's not binding on Christians. In other words, when Jesus came as a New Covenant, tithing doesn't apply, we don't need to give a tenth anymore. That's one rule of thought. The other is, well, that's what was said, and not a lot has changed, and we, we need to keep giving. But, but we believe here that this tithe is a guide. It's a great guide. To give God of something. To give God something to say, you know what God, I trust you with my finances. And I thank you for what you've given me. And so in response to that, I will give back to you. In line with the guide that was in the Old Testament. So we believe it's a guide. You know, I think back in my life of, of this guide. And before I was a Christian, I never really, never really got it. Never really understood it. Didn't understand God's economy and the way it worked. But I took this 10% guide... I was in this church years ago, and um, I took this 10% as a guide, not as a law, not as a, oh my goodness, I'm gonna, they're going to find out. If I don't give my 10th, they're going to seek me out, and I'm in big trouble. But it was, I, thought, I like this idea. I can do this. This is a good guide. So one day, um, Kate and I were at home, and um, the mail came in, and there was this brown envelope. I have shared this story before, so if you've heard it, forgive me. But this brown envelope came in, and it looked like a circular, and she was about to, to throw it out. Um, but the backstory to this is I was in the Navy before I was in ministry and had a fairly decent salary and it was guaranteed so you could borrow pretty much anything you wanted to. So I borrowed a lot back in the day. And you remember that PPI? Um, everybody's had a PPI. Everybody's had a phone call about PPI. Um, and they said, you know, do you want to claim? Because you, you've borrowed all this money and they told you need to pay extra. You didn't need to. I said, yep, fine, let's do it. Forgot all about it. Then this envelope comes through the door. And Kate was about to ditch it, but no... Something said, open this letter. She opened it, and there was a check in there for a lot of money. Quite a lot of money. We were very, very surprised. But instantly I thought, I need to thank God for that. We need to give 10% back, and we'll do that. We put it straight back into the church. And I want to say the next day, but certainly within a week, we had another envelope. Came through the door. And Kate had to ring up her, she's a foster care, ring up the agency, I said, is this right? And they said, yeah, we've, we've underpaid you for the last so many months, we've got the pay wrong, um, and this is a check to make up the difference. And it was within £10 of what we had just put back into the church. 
The reason I say that is it's, it's not a law, but you can't outgive God. You just can't do it. If you try outgiving God, you can't do it. It's the one thing he says to test him on. Jesus said, do not test the Lord your God. Don't test him. But God says, there's one way I will allow you to test me, and that's with your money. If you trust me with your money, and you bless me with money, you see what happens. And that, in our experience, that's what he's done. So over the last few years, we've been blessed. It's something to do with Kate's family, I'm sure. But we've been blessed with two cars, just for free. Just have them. You might think, blimey, what's that all about? But I honestly believe it's out of Kate's generosity. There was a time when I would let you know, you get your bank app on your phone. And now there's like things that come out of your phone. I get notifications every time something goes out of the bank. And I suddenly realized that Kate was giving away more money than I could like keep track of. But she's just so generous. She is just so generous. And I honestly believe that a lot of the things that come out is because of Kate's, and mine to a degree, but generosity. That's God's economy. It's the way it works. Because I also find that sometimes the bank account our bank account will just start to like trickle up and you think, oh wow, we're doing all right. We're doing all right this month. Maybe we should, and before you can almost say buy something, the car goes wrong and it's wiped out. And I believe that's God telling me, you know what? You'll always have enough. You'll always have enough. You won't have a lot, but you'll always have enough. But keep being generous. God always makes sure that there will be enough. But whether we believe in the tithe, whether we believe in this 10%, the 10th, or like I said, the 10% or not, in the New Testament... <laughs> Jesus raises the bar for giving and generosity even higher. So if we think that 10% is unfair, Jesus kind of says, maybe you should give more than that. Maybe you should be giving more than that. And I want to look at, and I'm not talking about amounts here, but I want to look at three instances in the New Testament where Jesus talks about giving and money. Now he talks about it a lot. Jesus does talk about money a lot in the New Testament. But you realize it's not about money. As you get to the end of this, you realize he's talking about our hearts. It's not about money. It's about our hearts. So in Matthew 19, there's this story of uh, the, the rich man. And it says this. Just then, a, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now I want to assure you that what Jesus is talking about here is the love of money. It's the love of money. You often hear that phrase, don't you, that... Um, I can't even remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> the love of money. Someone help me out. Thank you. Money is the root of all evil. That's not true. It is not true. The love of money think, is the root of all evil. Money is not bad. What we do with it can be. And what Jesus was saying here is that you love, he was saying to this rich man, you love your money. 
you love your money too much. He walked away sad because he loved his money more than following Jesus. What does it take to follow you, Jesus? Well, you have to give all or not. He doesn't even say all your money. He says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. I don't read the word all in any of that. But he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. He didn't like that because he loved his money more than following Jesus. Jesus goes on to say, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve money um, and God. It's one or the other. You cannot serve both. So serve God and do what he says with your money. So Luke 12, there's another story here, the parable of the rich fool. In Luke 12, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me to, judge, to, be, to be a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Now what I read here is that, that wealth can breed laziness. And perhaps if we've been slightly more kind, wealth can breed apathy. When we've got enough, we don't care. When we've got more than enough, we don't care. When we're comfortable, we don't care about the things of God. The man says, I'll build more. The more I get, I'll store more. The more I get, I'll store even more. And then I can sit back and do nothing. We need to be careful with wealth because it can lead us to a state of apathy where the things of God don't matter anymore. Second thing I see, and we all know this, is we can't take our wealth with us. God said, what's the point in storing it up? You're gone tonight. You're gone. What's the money going to do for you? Nothing. It's just sat there. And he says, who's going to get it? Who's going to get it? The money is no good to you. Storing it up. God is saying, do something with it. Be rich towards God. He says, a better life is when we are rich towards God. When you are generous towards God, and this is my experience, when you're generous towards God, when you're generous towards other people, life is better. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. I don't know if any of you feel that. When you're able to give away to somebody, when you're able to help someone out, the feeling that is in your heart is far better than when someone tries to give you something. Sometimes we try and resist receiving and we like to give. But one thing I would say to you, if you refuse to receive, if you find it hard to receive, you can be robbing someone of a blessing. Someone wants to bless you, don't, or similarly, don't be afraid to receive. But let's be generous. It's a better life when we're rich towards God and towards others. And the third story in this New Testament that, that I'd like to look at is the widow's offering. This is in Mark 12, under the Gospels, but in Mark 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. 
They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is an important teaching. Jesus called his disciples specifically to make a point. He called them to him and said, watch this. Look at what has just happened. There is a widow here that has put in two cents, but she's outgiven everybody that's preceded her. Everybody else that's walked through, she has given more. Just that two cents because she gave with a grateful heart. We are called to have generous hearts. And here we can see amounts aren't important. The amount that you give is not important to God. The attitude is. He doesn't want your money because he could take your money. Just like that. He could take it. But one thing he can't take from you, one thing you have to give to him is your heart. And so one of the ways we can show God that our heart is in, that our heart is his, is to give of our money. And other things. But this is what we see here is that amounts are important, but attitudes are but I don't even think this evening if you're wealthy, you know, it's a bad thing. If you do consider yourself wealthy, it really isn't wrong. It's about what we do with it. I mean, if you do want to unburden yourself of any of it this evening, then I will be behind afterwards. If you want to see me, I can help you with that. But it's not a bad thing to be wealthy. It is not because it's what you do with it. If there were, if there were no... I remember watching... Um, it may not have even been Alfred, but in HTB in London, there was a guy that works in the city. And he earned lots of money, lots of bonuses in the banking world. And he realized, you know, I might not be an evangelist. I might not be a preacher. I might not be that great at anything else. But I know that I can earn lots of money. And I realized that my job is to go get the money and then give it to the church. And the church and the evangelists and the preachers, they go. And other people, the whole body of Christ, go and help people be saved. They go and introduce people to Christ. Well, if you didn't bring that money in, it would be a lot harder to do the things that the church does. So this misconception that that money is wrong, that having money is wrong, that's not right. It's what we do with money is the important thing. You think Jesus said about the camel and the eye of the needle? He said, you know, it's more difficult. It's not impossible. You could get a camel through the eye of a needle if you get it small enough. We don't go into that. It's pretty grim. But it can happen. But it is difficult. It is difficult. So we need to be wary of what we do with our wealth and and how much place it has in our hearts. So let's always be ready to give and to give generously. Not necessarily lots. You may not have a lot to give away. But when we do give away, let's give generously. So I just want to, as I'm coming in to close really this last section, I want to talk about well, this question. So why should we be generous to God and others? And what happens when we are? We've kind of talked about this a little bit. But in in 2 Corinthians 9, we read about the Apostle Paul. And he's compelling the church. He's he's asking the church in Corinth, that a reasonably wealthy church, he's asking them to to take a collection, to take a church collection like we might do, like we do for charity sometimes. We do for people that are in trouble, that are in strife. And he's asking them to to put their hands in their pockets. And he's explaining to them why they need to do this, to this, this other group of Christians that are struggling He's saying, I want you to share your wealth. I want you to put your hands in your pockets and give what you can and help out this church. And then he talks about, well, we will read in this passage, what happens when we do that. So I'm just reading from from 2 Corinthians 9, and this is 6 to 15. Paul says, remember this, and some of this is so straightforward. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. If you're tight, (laughs) expect to be treated the same. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion or being made to do it, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So there's four things I want to pull out of there very, very briefly. What happens when you give generously? Paul is asking the church in Corinth to give generously. And he's saying, give generously and then these things will happen. And in verse 11, it says this, you will be enriched in every way. When you are generous towards others, God promises to enrich you, to re-equip you. It may not be the same. It may not be money for money. It may be you give money. It may be an opportunity opens up. It may be that a job opportunity opens up. But something will happen. You will be blessed. Now, hear me when I say this is not a case of if we give God money, he will be blessed. And we can dictate the terms. It's not like a one-armed bandit. We can't put money in and expect it out. But God will bless us. His promise is that if we are generous, he will bless us. He has promised us that. So when you give generously, you will be enriched. You're likely to be given. The Bible says when you are trusted with a little, you will be trusted with much. He will give you more. So when you're generous, God will increase your ability to be even more generous and to help others. Secondly, in verses 11 and 12, it says it two times here. You'll be enriched um, in every way. You can be dressed on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And then in verse 12, it says, also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. When you're generous to other Christians, when you're generous to brothers and sisters in Christ, God gets the thanks. And even people that are not, even in our communities, people that need help, God gets the thanks. Because when people ask, we tell them the truth. When we're generous to one another, God will be thanked. Thirdly, it will supply the needs of the Lord's people. When we're generous to one another, we supply the needs of the Lord's people, it says in verse 12. We can't stand with our hands in our pockets and, and tutting and looking around thinking, oh, it's such a sorry state of affairs that they can't do this or they can't do that. Have you heard about so-and-so? They're really struggling. And God says, it's, it's on you. It's on you as a church body, as a family, to look out for one another. When you are generous to one another, you supply one another's needs. This was the premise of the very early church. They sold their possessions and they gave to one another so that no one went without. Generosity is a key thing in the church, to give to one another generously, to meet one another's needs. I remember years ago, um, a community group here, they don't, they don't meet anymore um, for, for different reasons, but they used to have a, they used to have a, a collection in their community group. 
And people would come and they would just give a little bit every week, just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And when someone came on hard times, they were to help them out from it. This is the kind of the premise of this generosity. And in church, that happens on a larger scale. We give into church, we give into the, the bank accounts in the church, and often when people are struggling, people that obviously we would not even tell you about, that we come across, we're able to help them, the redistribution, the generosity of the body of Christ. And lastly, I read here that the church will be strengthened. In verse 13 it says this, Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. The church will be strengthened. People pray. People praise God. They thank one another. They tell stories of one another's goodness and the goodness and the provision of God. The church is emboldened and the church is strengthened. So when we're generous, you will be enriched. When we're generous, God will be thanked. When we're generous, we supply the needs of the Lord's people, of one another and others. And when we're generous, the church will be strengthened. So how do we do this? We've talked a lot about the heart. We've talked a lot about generosity, what it means to give. It's not about money. It's not about amounts. It's about the attitude, the heart that we give with. God is after our hearts, not after our money. God has more money than anybody, anybody combined, anybody can give. He has it all. But he wants our hearts. That's what he's after. But how can we do it practically? How can we do it? You would have seen in the, in the notice earlier, if you can see some discs, I don't, I don't see where they all are, but there's, there's one at the back on that side. I think there's one at Connect Corner. There's, you can give that way on your phone into church. You can give via an app. You can give via gift. You can give by standing order. And for anybody that gives, if, if you've not heard of gift aid, or so most people have, but if you haven't, if you're, willing, if you're a UK taxpayer and you're willing to, to give um, through gift aid um, and you, you tick that box, the church gets another 25% for free from the government. They'll plow that back in. You can also, there's a card machine at the church in this modern days. You imagine that in Jesus' time. You know, they would have come up and given a, a two pence on a card, but we can now give um, by card at Connect Corner. And in the mornings, we, we pass a bucket rounds as we, as we always have done. In the evening, we have a retiring offering. There are many ways in which you can give. And the reason I say that is sometimes we're compelled to give. Sometimes God drops something on our heart and we might miss the moment, but there are many ways in which you can give. And if you want to know about any of those, you can see me afterwards. You can go to Connect Corner, put your name down, and someone will contact you with anything that you, you might be interested in. But what I really want to finish with is generosity is an attitude. It's not an amount. Giving is not an invitation so much as an expectation from the riches that God has bestowed on us. We give out of a place of being provided for by God. And giving, might sound strange to some of you, you may have read this before, but giving is an act of worship to our provider. Giving is an act of worship. When we look back to Cain and Abel, said, as time went by, in the course of time, they brought an offering to God. It's a response of worship to God saying, I am so blessed that you have given me everything I need. The very fact that we are in this place tonight means we are in the top 1% wealth of the world. We are in the top 1% of wealthy people in the world, believe it or not. And we should be blessed. We should feel blessed by what God has given us. So it's not God has blessed me, therefore I have to give. It's out of a place that our heart takes us. So it's about heart overhead. 
It's about delight over duty. And it's about doing it quietly. In fact, I just asked the band to come up and join me because I will be finishing soon. It's about giving quietly. Jesus constantly pilloried the Pharisees about praying on street corners and saying it loudly so everybody could see them. They were the ones that would walk through the temple dropping big bags of money, making sure that everybody could hear the money going in. This is how much I've given. This is how great I am. This is how much God loves me because I'm giving him lots of money. But it's not about that. Jesus also says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't tell anybody. Do it in quiet. If you're going to be generous, don't shout about it. If you're going to be generous, just do it. Because who sees? God sees. God sees. And that's what matters. We had a funeral here, um, I think it was last year or the year before, of, of a man called Ian Potts. And I couldn't be here, but I, I watched it. I listened to it online as I was driving. But what struck me was the amount of stories. Everybody that came forward had a story about how, how good he was, how generous he was, how giving this man was. But also what was amazing, that none of the people here, none of the people that are telling these stories knew about the other stories. They just didn't know about it because Ian Potts was a man that gave generously, but he did it quietly. He didn't shout about it. He didn't want thanks for it. He just did what God called him to do. And that's what we're called to do, to be generous, but be quiet about it. Just do it quietly. Just do it quietly. There may be tonight for you that money is tough. Sometimes it is. Sometimes we don't have a lot. And I've talked a lot about finance tonight, but there are other ways in which we can be generous. But what we do, we do it with a cheerful heart. Whatever we do give, wherever we serve, whatever we do, do it with a cheerful heart, a generous heart out of thanks for what God has done for us. It may be that you've got time. Maybe you can give someone time. Maybe you can sit and listen to somebody. Maybe you've got something somebody needs. It may not be money, but you've got something that someone could borrow or they need. Give it away. It could be effort. Maybe someone's moving house and you think, you know what, I can't, I can't do anything other than help you move your furniture, but I'm going to do that and I'm going to do it generously. I'm going to do it willingly. Perhaps you can lend someone a car. Just the other week, we needed to go to pick up our daughter from the airport and our car packed in. And so someone turned around and said, I can lend you my car, that's no problem. This is a generosity. I'm not going to tell you who it is, obviously, but this is a generosity that I'm talking about. It may not be money. But let's have generous hearts. It's about the heart. I think I've killed it now. <laughs> about the heart. Generosity is about the heart. So I just want to read this to you. The opposite of the love of money is generosity. Instead of holding our money, we hand it over. Instead of building bigger barns, we nurture bigger hearts. Instead of looking to take, we seek to give. We who have been given everything, life, food, family, freedom, New birth, forgiveness, redemption, the Holy Spirit, the promise of an unimaginable inheritance. We surely ought to give something to those who need our help. See, gospel people know that to whom much is given, much is expected. So let's be generous. Let's be generous in all that we do, whether it's money, time, effort, value. And let's be generous towards God. When he asks us to do something, let's just do it. Don't question him, because when you bless him, he will bless you more. And that's a promise. Let's stand as we pray together. Lord, your word says in 2 Corinthians, when Paul talks to this church in Corinth, it says, Paul says at the end, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Lord, we remember, Lord, this evening, this indescribable gift this Jesus, this son of God who gave up everything. He didn't see equality with God as something 
for his own advantage, but he gave it up for us. He gave up everything. He gave up his place in heaven. He gave up his place next to the Father. He gave it all up to be a baby and a sacrifice for us. And Lord, we are so grateful for that. We wouldn't be here without that. And Lord, we will always be grateful for that. We thank you, Lord, for your indescribable gift, the gift of your son. And Lord, I ask that out of that recognition that we would be generous, not out of guilt, not out of duty, not out of other preachers says so, but Lord, that we would give because your word tells us that if we are generous, there are so many benefits. You will be thanked, Lord. You get the thanks. You get the praise when we are generous. You promise to bless us and enrich us. Lord, to, when we trust you with our money, when we give it over to you along with our hearts. Lord, we look after one another. We bless one another when we are generous. And I pray, Lord, that you would call us to be more and more generous with whatever we have. And the church is strengthened when we are generous. So, Lord, I pray tonight that we would take this message in. Lord, that you as a generous God call on us to be generous. We want to be like you, Lord. And you are generous. And so we want to be generous. So I pray, Lord, that, that as we head out this week, Lord, that we would have this in our mind. And, and where the opportunity presents itself, Lord, that we would be generous. I pray that you would nudge us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would whisper in our ear when we can help somebody. Whether it's behind somebody in a shopping queue. Perhaps somebody struggling to pay for something and we can help them out. Perhaps we see somebody struggling to get something in a car and we, we go and help them. Perhaps our neighbor is struggling with something and we can give our time and our effort. Perhaps we've not even thought about giving back to you, God. Perhaps we've not even thought about giving into the work of your church. But whatever your message is to us this evening, Lord, I pray that you would keep it on our hearts this week and every opportunity we have to be generous, we will be because that will be like you. In Jesus' name. Oh man.